0: What's up, guys? It's Chris from DMGH Podcast. I always say this, but today is really going to be a really good episode. We're talking with Amanda Neely about how you can use life insurance policies to buy an investment property, buy a car, pay off your student loans. Uh, basically, do whatever you want with it. Uh, I'm not a investment advisor. I uh, I'm not selling this to you guys. I don't get any money for having her on. Uh, it's just really cool information that I found is really valuable. So stay tuned, and I hope this provides you some value. If you like it, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find this on SoundCloud. You can go You could go on my website, uh, DMGHPodcast.com. You're going on, on Google Play Podcasts on YouTube. But uh, really excited. So stay tuned.
1: Three,
0: two, one, let's go. Welcome to Don't Mind the Golden Handcuffs Podcast or DMGH Podcast. A place for future and present attorneys or any young professional to find the motivation they need to further their minds, careers, and financial success. It's hard to make it out there when you came from nothing. We want to provide you with some help with that. Of course, a one-person team couldn't accomplish this. DMGH podcast experienced guests will guide us on this road to career and financial success. First, let's take this law thing one step at a time with your host, Chris. Hey, Amanda. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm great, Chris. How are you?
0: It's nice to have you back so soon.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me back.
0: No problem. Um, So I was most interested during our first interview uh, when you mentioned the whole life insurance and using it as an investment tool. And after you spoke about that, I knew I wanted to bring you back on to discuss that further. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sounds so was, great. So I was wondering if you could actually go ahead and um, explain a little bit of, of more in detail as to what that is.
1: Yeah. So there's a particular kind of whole life that only a select number of insurance companies offer. You know, of the thousand plus life insurance companies out there, there's only a few that actually do this. Maybe like 40 or less. And it has to be with a um, mutual. A company that's owned by the policy holders mm-hmm. and it has to have um the ability to have early high cash value um so that you 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 have that uh fund there that you're able to use as collateral to be able to then take loans from the general fund from that insurance company that kind of thing and your money still continues to grow that's what's called in technical terms non-direct recognition. Mm-hmm. So you've got those kind of three components have to align the m- mutual companies. So you get dividends, the ability to have an early high cash value, and then the non-direct recognition so that your money continues to grow even as you use that money to, um, to allow you to access money from the general fund mm-hmm. to, to buy a car, yeah. you know, purchase real estate, whatever it is.
0: And that's and, kind of
1: the in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. And how much dividends should like, I don't know anything about this before I spoke to you. I, I didn't really know too much about it. Um, how much mm-hmm. dividends is a person generally looking at?
1: Yeah, the the dividend scale changes. So on your cash value, you get a guaranteed growth that the company will pay you. And mm-hmm. then you also get the dividends. And those are adjust. They, those are just based on the profitability of the company. And mm-hmm. they're actually considered a return of premium. Um, is the, the technical nature to it. But the way that it really works is the the dividends will increase as uh, in they often track what happens with the interest rates. So right now, interest rates are pretty low. But every time the Fed raises the interest rates, I do a little happy dance because <laughs> I, I know I'm probably going to get some more dividends uh, in yeah. my policy. But it's also pretty stable because... The insurance companies that we work with have paid dividends every single year for at least 100 years, including during the Great Recession and even during the Great Depression back Mm -hmm. in the 1930s. And the reason they're able to do that is because they hold their investments for a long time. You know, that kind of philosophy, buy and hold, hold, they're able to do that for lifetimes, you know, like they can... You know, we might need to buy and hold for 20 years or sometimes if we're buying five years before retirement, we're only holding for five years. They're holding for as long as as long as it makes sense to hold, you know, so that gives them a a big advantage that then the policyholders get in terms of the dividends.
0: Okay, so you mentioned dividends. Um, So what's the biggest difference between that and buying like a blue chip stock that also um, has a track record of giving dividends?
1: Yeah, the. So the with with everything there's risk, right? Mm -hmm. With the insurance company, the risk is lowered because they have, you know, kind of that idea of diversification. You know, it's a huge word. They actually are required by law to put no less than one one thousandth of any of their money in one place. Mm
0: -hmm. So they're
1: diversified in at least a thousand different places, often more, and and so they. If one stock goes down, you might see your dividends go down. You know, if you you just bought that one stock or maybe you bought a bond and, Mm -hmm. you know, then interest rates go up and you you don't you have to buy a new bond in order to get the the higher interest rates. Yeah. But they're they're like they're really spreading out the risk Mm -hmm. and spreading out through the diversification. And then we get the benefit of that as the policyholder.
0: Okay. All right. Um, Also, I'm curious as to how much money does a person generally need to or or from your experience uh, has to put up like upfront when you start a policy mm-hmm. like this.
1: Yeah, there's definitely different options that people go with. What we, you know, um, as a couple examples, I I can talk about my personal experience cuz I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, you know, talk about clients for confidentiality yeah. reasons. You guys get that. Yeah. Um but the so for us and my family, we have a policy on my son that we started when he was 3 months old. And we do 100 bucks a month, and okay. actually we pay annually, but it, it turns into 100 bucks a month, mm-hmm. and that that was a great way to get started. He's gonna have a nice college fund, um, and if he continues to fund it after college, he'll have a really awesome retirement fund just with that 100 bucks yeah. a month because he started young. Um, other, uh, when my husband and I started, I was in my late 20s, he was in his 30s. We started at 400 dollars a month each, um, just so we could um, You know start setting that aside on a regular basis for our own retirement for buying a home You know what all the different things that we wanted to do and that's what made sense for us at the time Okay, and then my mom she she gave me permission to share her story too. She (laughs) um, She had a big chunk of money from selling her home to move in with us because she'd had a stroke and she couldn't really live on her own anymore Mm -hmm. her and my dad and so she had that chunk of money just sitting in a savings account doing nothing, you know, cause yeah. interest rates are so low. And so she actually took that chunk and did a one time payment that then she doesn't have to worry about making ongoing payments anymore. You know, mm-hmm. she's on a pension. So it doesn't, didn't make sense for her to do that. Um, and her, her one time chunk was $50,000, but people can do less, they can do more. Yeah. just kind of given some ideas. Um, of you know what's kind of typical yeah at any anywhere yeah. like we can make a bank on yourself work type policy these kind of whole life policies work for for anybody
0: okay really so like in that example um, a person would put let's say uh, $15,000 up front then now their their initial um, amount of money is increasing in value as well for their retirement like how's and then at the same time they're getting paid dividends is that how it works
1: Yeah, so there are costs to insurance, you know, you are buying insurance, so you're getting a death benefit, you know, if you were to start one of these policies and then pass away, you know, a few days later, you're going to get a huge, you know, your beneficiaries are Mm going to get a huge return. So at the beginning, let's say you put in $15,000 that first year, you wouldn't have the full $15,000. You'd have you'd have less than that because of the cost of the insurance. But then over time, as you get both the guaranteed growth and the dividends, you'll see that the value in your policy increase. Mm-hmm. And typically by about year three, four, five, depending on what, how much you're putting in, depending on the company, all those kind of things, you'll start to see your cash value grow by more than what you're putting in in yeah. terms of the premium on the policy. Um, and then, and meanwhile, your death benefits continuing to grow as mm-hmm. well. Uh, By more than what you're putting in. So you're getting sort of the the growth on the death benefit side and the growth on the cash value side that are both from the premiums you're paying and from what the insurance company guarantees Mm -hmm. and from the dividends of from the insurance company.
0: Okay, and how does it work? So, I've heard that you could also pull money out of it to make certain purchases. How does that work? And also just um part two, um do you need to so if you put 15,000, when can you start pulling out of that to make like any emergency payments or anything?
1: Yeah. So, that the let's say the $15,000 arrives at the insurance company, it takes a couple of days for the banks to process it, mm-hmm. you know, how banks are. <laughs> and then you could submit a loan request and get the money with as soon as the banks could process it. You know, typically within a yeah. week with uh, how the banks process. So right away, basically okay. is when you can request a loan, but not the full fifteen thousand. It's going to be a portion because of that cost of the insurance. So you are um, okay. that that is kind of one of the downsides. It's not like a savings account where you put in fifteen, you can take out fifteen right yeah. away. And um, if, if you, you
0: put in fifteen, are are you then? let's say you take out like 3 or 4 are you still getting interest on that 15 like is that 15 still growing
1: yes they're okay. paying you the guaranteed growth and the dividends on the full 15 it's because this non-direct recognition thing i mentioned earlier you're you're not taking out your money you're not taking out the 2 or 3 from your 15 what the insurance company is doing is looking at your 15 that's sitting there and they're using that as collateral to give mm-hmm. you A chunk of money from the general fund so you take the two or three thousand from the general fund so you're 15 still sitting there and they do charge you an interest on that two or three thousand you know or whatever you took out yeah it's um, right now it's a uh, it can vary but it's been the same for 30 years so you know or or more so it's a five percent simple interest that only gets charged once a year so it's not compounding month by month like a normal loan would uh, they they put it on your policy anniversary date they'll charge you the five percent simple interest in arrears
0: and that five percent goes to them or is that added onto to your to your pool of money
1: yeah yeah it goes to the general fund okay. um and so to it's taking so the general fund is doing policy loans like that but it's also you know buying corporate bonds mm-hmm. uh, some of it's gonna you know less than ten percent is going to be in the stock market they're putting it to work okay um and then as a policyholder you get the benefit in the form of dividends and the guaranteed growth of that that general fund growing so the interest goes to the general fund but that helps the profitability of the company so mm-hmm. then you get uh, the dividends the and
0: everything yeah, okay exactly. and are the dividends paid out monthly or yearly
1: they're also paid out yearly on your policy okay. anniversary day
0: Um and of course, if you put in like 5000 you shouldn't be expecting some enormous dividend. But if you're experienced, if you're investing uh, larger amounts of money, are you looking at dividends that make a difference?
1: Yeah, it's all proportional. Uh, the dividends are divvied out based on your death benefit. Mm-hmm. So uh, it all, it all, it'll be a, a kind of combination of how much you're putting in, what your health is like, your age, your gender, like all those things are going to impact what your death benefit is, and then they put the death benefit into their calculations to divvy out the dividends.
0: Okay. And this could be a, a wrong question, because I know that a lot of stuff with money, it just depends on the situation. But just yeah. as an example, um, if, so if you're around my age, you're like you're 26, unless you have, uh, let's say like $100,000 in there how much dividends generally do you, would you estimate it around? And, and also like, I know you can't say for sure, but like, do you have like any type of estimate or.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so the, the other thing is that as your policy is growing your, cause every year your death benefit increases as well, your dividends are going to be increasing. So okay. you, you might start with maybe your first year, maybe only make a hundred dollars in mm-hmm. dividends, but, Maybe by the 10th year, you're going to make $2,000 in dividends. Okay. And by year 20, you're going to be making $10,000 in dividends. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, maybe that's a kind of exaggerated, but they grow yeah. in um, very consistently as your death benefits increasing and as you're paying more in premiums mm-hmm. and all those kind of things. So it's, I can't really say like, yeah, expect X number of dollars because yeah. it's going to change every year. Exactly.
0: It's the same thing with stocks too. You just, it really depends on the situation. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask another one. Um, what was that question I was thinking about? Uh, Oh yeah. Does it compound like naturally? So like every time it makes money, does it automatically compound?
1: Yeah. We we automatically choose when you get a dividend, it's actually going to go back into the policy to purchase more uh, death benefit and it's going to increase your cash value as well. So then- you get more of the guaranteed growth, more of the dividends the next year, and definitely you mm-hmm. that it's def like this is one of the best ways to have compound interest work in your favor. And uh, one of that's one of the things I love most about these policies is that you you put it in your initial premium, you know, and then it's going to decrease because of the cost of the insurance, but otherwise it grows every year. Yeah. Um, and once you have that growth locked in, they yeah. can't take it away from you. Okay. It's going to continue growing. You don't get that volatility like you do on the stock market.
0: And on the plus side, even if something does occur, you still have that life insurance. It's still something It still has value to it in that aspect, right?
1: Yeah. And and um, so like one of the examples is maybe uh, instead of passing away, you get a chronic or terminal illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, these policies also have a special, it's called a rider that's attached to it. That allows you to access your death benefit, a portion of it, while mm-hmm. you're still alive, to help cover the costs associated with that chronic or terminal illness, and or just throw a big party. They don't care what they, you do with the money; they just yeah. advance it to you, and then you can you can spend it how you like, which is mm-hmm. an an added bonus that's added at no extra cost. Okay, it, you know th- they want to make sure you're taken care of.
0: And then from your experience, um, how much? money percentage-wise can you pull out if you have a certain pool of money so if you have like a hundred thousand dollars from um uh, this also goes probably back to the last question where it's like it depends mm-hmm. on the situation but from your experience if you have a hundred thousand dollars how much do you think you could pull out
1: yeah whatever is in your cash value it's roughly 85 to 90 oh, okay. percent you can pull out as oh. a loan um or you're they'll give you from the general fund <laughs> you're not pulling out your your money right so yeah. that that's a pretty good portion um of what you have there that's available and liquid to you to use.
0: And you can use that to invest in real estate if you wanted to theoretically, right?
1: Yep. Lots of people do that.
0: And what I think is really cool about that is that, um, around 5% probably is what they're going to charge for, for interest. Right. On that, Mm -hmm. uh, which is like substantially lower than like a credit card or a loan or anything like that. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And
1: remember it's (laughs) simple, it's simple interest. So let's say, Let's say you take out a loan and you pay it back over four years, you know, very regularly. You might pay really 1.9% APR oh, wow. be- because the interest is only charged once a year. Oh, yeah. So
0: it's,
1: so it's a lot lower than it sounds. Yeah. You know, it, 5% it sounds kind of high. It
0: clicked. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, that is a big advantage. You see, I, I, mm-hmm. I I'm getting excited hearing about that just because... Um, this could be like a really great way to buy like a house in in cash, right? You uh, some of the properties I I bought was around seventy thousand dollars. Um, theoretically, I could have taken out less than eighty five percent and uh and bought a house in cash and paid substantially lower uh, uh interest wise than I did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what's a benefit for someone to start this at an earlier age than a later age?
1: Well, so the younger you are, the better. Uh, the the costs of the insurance are the lower, you know, the, because they, you know, the a life insurance policy is that they're betting on when you're going to pass away and yeah. the younger you are, the, the better, the bet that you're not going to pass away for a long time. So you, you get lower costs that way. You're also, uh, in, in good health, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if there's any change to your health in the future, They can't take the policy away from you. You've passed that. You have to do one medical exam and then you're done for the rest of your life. When you're, if you live to 121 years old, they're just gonna mail you a check of whatever, (laughs) (laughs) whatever value you have. Um, And you know that it's, but otherwise it's there for the rest of your life. Um, Yeah. So and then also the longer you get that compounding interest working in your favor, you know these policies over 30, 40, 50 years perform a lot better than if you're just starting them. You know, 10 or 20 years before Mm -hmm. you expect to retire or uh, graduate.
0: And what's the least you could start with?
1: Yeah, we typically say a good number to shoot for is around the $250 to $300 per month Mm -hmm. um, is is a good number to shoot for. But I've started a little lower for people with the expectation that their income is going to grow pretty soon Mm -hmm. um, and they'll be able to put in more. But also it's since it's still liquid and, um, and available to you to do that two hundred and fifty three hundred $300 a month, but then you could start taking out a loan right away if you needed to. And you're going to get in that habit of regularly saving, you know, and then um, if life changes, you know, some kind of emergency happens or you, you need it for just Mm -hmm. living expenses in general, you can go ahead and access a portion of that. So, um, that, like yeah, that's a, a number to shoot for though.
0: Okay, and if you're married, that's two to three hundred for each person, right? Yes. And yep. um, if you start paying, let's say two hundred, then one month you start paying four hundred. Are you then bound to like continue paying at that amount, or could your payments vary?
1: Yeah, we. The way I like to talk about it, um, this will be a good real estate example. <laughs> um, <laughs> when we these we structure these policies, we're kind of architects and we're designing them, and we will design a floor that, and that floor is where you're going to stand. What you're planning okay. to do for your premium, but then there'll also be a ceiling, and that ceiling is to keep keep the policy tax uh, tax-free or untaxed. Um, it's something that the, that was put into on the 1980s because so many people were using life insurance as a tax haven, and they mm-hmm. had to put this ceiling on things. So every policy has a unique floor and a unique ceiling. Um, and so if you start at the floor there, there's going to be a limit to how much you can put in, but if you have a whole bunch more you want to do, you can actually start a new policy. Mm Um, and there are people that have 20 plus policies like that. They own themselves Mm -hmm. multiple on on, that. They're the insured. They they're the one that did the health exam, others on family members, Mm -hmm. uh, business partners. You can have life insurance on anybody that you have it what's called an insurable interest on.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so I have one question before we get into like the risks and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Is the biggest difference between this and buying a regular insurance policy, the fact that you get dividends, and you could pull out these loans, or is there, is there anything else I'm missing?
1: Well, there's all kinds of life insurance. Um, most people uh, are familiar with term life insurance, mm-hmm. where you pay a premium kind of like auto insurance where you pay it and then if uh, if you don't use it you lose it you know mm-hmm. if let's say you buy 30 year term and then at you get to your 31 and it's gone and you've lost all that money that you've put in mm-hmm. so this gives you a place where your premiums not just vanishing but you're getting um, that uh, cash value accruing and then there's also something called universal life it's a type of whole life that is actually tied to the stock market and there's been some warnings out there that have been put out by, I think like someone from the like treasury department and for the state of New York or something like that, that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, issued a warning a couple months ago of to, if you're going to start a universal life policy, really know what you're getting into because it's, it's very specific and for like a very particular kind of person yeah. in a very particular kind of financial situation that's willing to take that risk in the stock market still because a portion of your funds are invested there. Um, and, mm-hmm. or you're following an index, that kind of thing. Um, and this is very different in that it, it your money's like not going into the stock market, maybe, you know, 10% of the general fund yeah. at most. Um, but you're, you own, you're not taking the risk. The insurance company is taking the risk when they put the money there. Um, okay. so I could go talk more about that. There's all kinds of things to say about universal <laughs> life, but the, the most thing is just weigh it heavily if mm-hmm. you're thinking about doing that instead.
0: Okay. Uh, so what risks uh, should we be looking at uh, in terms of starter investors in terms of this?
1: Yeah. What, one of the things I like to uh, kind of make sure my clients understand is that this is a long-term commitment, you're going to start seeing some good growth in your policy, you know, between three and five years or so. Mm-hmm. But really, it takes seven to 10 years to see, to, like to really see some good growth in the policy. Mm-hmm. And if you have to be willing to commit to that time, and if you cancel within the first couple of years, you're going to lose a lot of money. Just like okay. if you started a term and you're know, never use it. Yes. So it, uh, that, that kind of for somebody in their twenties or thirties, that, that (laughs) might be a little scary, you know, um, to commit to that kind of thing. But, you know, we, well, we can talk about how to mitigate that risk a little bit, but, Mm -hmm. um, there, there, that is a risk. Um, and then there's, uh, also the risk like that, you know, especially in real estate, you, you can get a pretty good return on your funds, especially if you're, Maybe pooling with other investors or, you know, something like that. And mm-hmm. maybe that growth could outpace what the growth is in the policy. You're getting a small, steady return on, you know, ROI yeah. uh, within these policies that so it's and that compounding interest is working in your favor. Maybe you could get more growth somewhere else, but you're mm-hmm. also going to take more risk somewhere else. So, you're, yeah, you're kind of you're taking that risk and choosing something safe. <coughs> Excuse me. Yep versus something that could explode and get 12 15 20%, you know, possibly. But yeah. you know, and we could talk about if how how possible that really is, but yeah. um that I think that's another risk that you're taking when you choose what you want your money to do for you. And what I actually love to to talk about with that is um setting a nice foundation within your financial portfolio of safe secure uh uh, funds, and then on top of that foundation, build your risk you okay. know go go after that the risky stuff and that secure foundation for might be a savings account or a CD, a money market account, those kind of things, but they're not paying very good returns right now, right? Mm-hmm. so you know their interest might be one percent. This is an alternative cash fund, you know, within these life insurance policies. And that's how you want to think about it. Is This is really about saving and having your money secure rather than about investing. But it's a great platform from which to buy real estate or buy stocks. One of, one of the things that uh, people that had these policies and had so good cash value in them in 2007, 2008, 2009, when the crash happened, they had a whole bunch of cash that they could go buy properties. Yeah. I know someone that you know, now he's got a real estate empire because he had a bunch of money in these yeah. these policies. And he, he makes, you know, I think he's got like one or two million dollars in property now yeah. because he was able to purchase things when at, at that low cost back yeah. then.
0: So. Okay. So just to put this on like a, a timeline, just so I understand it. So you're purchasing the insurance. Uh, so let's say I start at 26 and every year the interest is compounding. Um, and every year, um, because of that, my dividends, the amount is, is theoretically, depending on the market, um, increasing as well as my amount also increases. Uh, and I'm able to pull out the money if I want to buy a car or a real estate property. Um, and Then if something happens and I get sick, uh, terminally ill, or I pass away, I then leave that insurance money um, there for whoever is taking care of my estate um and then yeah. the risk uh as you said is um the fact that the market does fluctuate in terms of certain ways and your dividend won't be the same every year but the benefit to going with the well-known companies is that they've paid dividends for over 100 e- for 100 or more years right
1: mm-hmm. yep
0: okay All right. i think i got it yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah. the uh, One extra benefit, since I know some people are thinking about law school or maybe they have some kids that they're hoping will go to law school in the future or something, yeah. um, life insurance is not reportable on the FAFSA. Oh. So this is also a great place to hide money yeah. that wouldn't be seen. <laughs> yeah. And then you can get more grants and scholarships compared with, you know, yeah. if you put that savings in a 401k or a 529 or something where you're going to, it's going to show up on your tax return.
0: Yeah. And then also, I would think that also if you have student loans, uh, depending on which one you have in there, you could use that to start to pay off certain of student loans for significantly Mm -hmm. less interest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I did that. So when we just paid the minimum on our student loans and, you know, that we put that 400 into our policies. And then two and a half years later, the amount in our policy was Mm -hmm. more than what our student loans were. And we were able to take that the 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 loan from the policy pay off our student loans yeah and then put what we were paying towards student loans toward our policy instead yeah. and when we hit a rough patch we could decrease it student yeah. loan company would never let us decrease no no but, we could, but we're we're our own you know like boss you know yeah, the, yeah. It, if you go and buy that car and then you don't want to pay back the loan for a while the insurance company is not going to come repossess your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you get to set the terms of the loan that way.
0: It's so funny because I think the the people watching the video of this podcast, they're gonna see like me, me like my mind click at like three mm-hmm. or four points. And I'm like, oh yeah, oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 really cool. Wow, mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, so any suggestions as to how the person listening to this could get started?
1: Yeah. So this is a a word of warning. There are only 200 advisors in the U.S. and Canada that are what are called bank on yourself authorized advisors. And these are the people that have the training and the accountability to set up these policies in the right way. To keep, make sure they're not going to be taxed in the future, to make sure you get the best growth, all those kind of things. So, you want to make sure you're working with someone that's a bank on yourself authorized advisor. I'm one of those. Uh, my husband's one of those. Uh, I worked with one of them when I set up my policies five years ago. Um, the, and if you want to find one, you could, you know, reach out to me, that would be great. But also there's the bank mm-hmm. where you can read more about the concept and you can request yeah. a, a financial analysis and they'll connect you with an authorized advisor in your area. Um, or, you know, who, who meets your priorities, you know, they'll ask you some questions to make sure yeah. they get you the right fit. Um, but also like, if you don't want to go through that whole process, just Hit me up, and we'll yeah. we can talk about it. <laughs>
0: uh Have you thought about writing a book on this? Like, I know there's a book already out, but I think it'd be really cool to actually like uh, like you you address all these issues in your book. You talk about your experiences. I think you should do it.
1: <laughs> I I might. So we have we have our podcast, you know, the yeah. Grandma's Wealth Wisdom Podcast, and we're talking about these kinds of things all the time. And that's one of the things of taking some of the transcripts and. Uh, having them go into a book form, but like the massage it to actually make it interesting and tie the concepts together and all that yeah. um, That's definitely on the to-do list. Uh, maybe I you know, so I have an almost one-year-old He'll be one in just a few weeks here nice. and uh, that he's been, you know, getting all my extra time lately. Oh, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, We'll see what happens in the future.
0: All right. Uh, <laughs> just one last question um, so when you start this policy, can you put in a lump sum into the policy itself?
1: There's a couple ways to do that. Um, you have to be really careful that it's not going to become taxable at that point, it's not oh, going to yeah, go yeah. over the ceiling, yeah. Um, but for some people that's okay. They're, they're okay with it. It becomes more like a Roth at that point where it still grows tax deferred. But then if you, when you actually access the money, either mm-hmm. a loan or a withdrawal, they'll um, you'll have to pay taxes on the interest. and oh, the so interest comes If you out avoid first.
0: that ceiling, you then avoid that, that issue. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. And there's a couple of strategies to avoid that ceiling that we could talk about if you want to put in a lump sum.
0: Great. Awesome. Amanda, thank you so much. Uh, my interest was already peaked from last the last episode. Um, by the way, if you're listening in, go back and watch that last episode, episode eight. Um, but especially after reading about it and talking with you now, uh, it's so cool. Like it's it. Like I want to put it in an intellectual way, but like you can't. It's just it's really cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's those,
1: nothing. There's no other financial tool that works like this one.
0: Yeah, because in a way you're protecting for your retirement while also having the liberty. To make any little small investment or any personal purchase or any maybe you want to start a small business and you can't find the funding uh but yeah yeah it's super cool uh as always thank you for being on the podcast and i suspect that i'm gonna probably email you like soon and be like oh can you come on talk about this please please (laughs) for sure anytime (laughs) oh but thank you very much uh when when you write that book let me know
1: (laughs) okay all right
0: all right thank you again thank you all right. Bye. Bye. What's up, guys? I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to have her on to discuss any details that we missed, DM me, message me, email me, go on dmghpodcast.com where you can contact me uh, and pretty much any way you can find me. Just go ahead and and try to contact me. Uh, I'm probably going to have her on for my purposes because I'm still super interested in getting even more details. So I hope this helped you guys. Uh, So stay tuned for the next episode. As always, it's Chris from DMGH Podcast.